God where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies himself. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Just turn to the letter of John, the first letter of John, chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not, have, and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Thanks, Tom. Well, good morning from me. Uh, I generally like to do a bit of a pre-sermon ramble about myself to kind of ease myself into the space, but Ben's stolen everything I had to say about that. Uh, that's all right. But I will say that this is probably the heftiest pulpit I've ever had the pleasure to preach from, so I'm excited for that experience. We'll see how this goes. <clears throat> and thus ends my pre-sermon ramble. <laughs> Light and darkness. It's subject matter that is delved into artistically, philosophically, scientifically, narratively, the battle between the two in movies, TV series, books, the victory of one in a tragedy and the triumph of the other in a happy ending. We love it, or at least I do. 
the conflict between light and dark. Good and evil is fascinating and compelling. There's friction within a storyline about an individual who experiences this battle within his own heart or mind and or life. We see it in the good man gone over to become the enemy or the reluctant, flawed and initially self-concerned protagonist finding within herself an altruistic heart in the face of menacing adversity. It's often said that people can't be sorted into two categories of good and bad, but rather that we have uh, light and dark inside all of us. So today I'm here to give you the Bible's perspective on this narrative, this war that rages between these two poles. More specifically, I'm going to focus on the writings of a guy called John, who seems to have written five books of the Bible, uh, three of which are letters to churches, uh, and also this one, which is a gospel, a declaration of the good news about Jesus Christ. It's largely from his writings that we, as Christians, call Jesus the light of the world. And it's that topic that will make up the first part of my sermon, And then a bit later on, we'll take a look at what it means to be born of the light. And then we're going to jump over to the first of John's letters uh, to look at how we are to live in that light and what that means exactly. I want to start by saying that some things are impossible to understand. There are things that just go far beyond our comprehension. And I, I guess that's a pretty weird way to begin a talk. But I think it's important that we admit that. And in fact, not understanding some things is actually integral to the Christian faith, which sounds a little odd perhaps, but please hear me out. One great mystery that we believe in is actually spoken about uh, in the passage, that first passage that we just had read to us. When it talks about the word and the light in John 1, it's talking about Jesus. In other words, to rephrase uh, that phrase, What it's saying is, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And now, for non-Christian ears, that's already kind of confusing. Uh, But to go all the way, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, who has made him known. So essentially what that's saying is, no one has ever seen God, except God, who is at God's side, and God is the one and only. I think John, throughout this book of the Bible, is trying to show that God is one God, and yet it's not as simple as all that. Because here it's talking about Jesus, who is both separate from God and yet also God himself. And we draw from other parts of the Bible that there is another person in the mix who is described as God, the Holy Spirit. And so we find ourselves with a triune God, a God who is three and yet one. And look, I'm aware most people here are probably quite familiar with this concept, but it's important that we don't get bored with it uh, because it's something that is unique to our faith. And we need to remember, remember that if we are made in his image as we see right at the beginning of the Bible, then we learn about ourselves through knowing him. God is a relational God, a God who is community even within himself. And we know that because he is like this, then we know that a huge part of what it means to be human is to be relational, cooperative, to be interacting with each other. It means that we need to take our relationships and think about our community, especially here at church, very earnestly. God is both one powerful 
and mighty, mighty being who rules over all and yet also wonderfully diverse and cooperative. In the same way, we as a human race are a fascinating mix of personalities, races, cultures, skills and gifts. But our greatest accomplishments are achieved when we work together as a single entity. And in fact, society and the human world as a whole wouldn't function without a certain measure of cooperation. So you see, this is an instance when to understand ourselves, to find our value and find, I guess, the fullness and the truth of our humanity, we must seek to know him, this three and one God. However, like I said before, there are some things that just go beyond our comprehension and this is definitely one of them. We don't know kind of the mechanics or the complexities of this truth. Who would have thought of something like this? I reckon there are a number of things for each of us Uh, who hold to Christian beliefs that cause us to scratch our heads and make our minds get caught up in knots. Maybe for you it's the way the Bible puts uh, predestination and free will rather unashamedly side by side. But the thing is we shouldn't let our response to incomprehension become frustration because if we could fully understand God then he wouldn't be God, he wouldn't be worthy of our worship. God is so far above us, so much wiser, so much greater than we can imagine that we have to let our incomprehension move into adoration and praise, reverence and excitement and fear. The mysteries of God are always going to be beyond us while, at least while we live in this flesh and while we see with these eyes. And yet the Gospels are always calling us to explore the beauty of those vast, misty high places and that's exciting because we're going to have all of eternity to do that. Now, just a a disclaimer under all that. There are things that we do understand. We are made with brains, um, and we should use them and seek to know our creator and therefore ourselves. God has revealed a lot of wonderful, amazing things about himself. And in the clarity that he brings, we have an incredible, incredible platform from which we can understand ourselves in this world that we live in. So as much as we might respond to this God who goes beyond our thinking with frustration, there is, of course, and in fact, uh, a worse response, which we read about here in John chapter 1. Uh, so if you have your Bible open, read with me from verses, uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 3 to 5. It says, Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then a bit further down, in verses 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So here we see one person of the triune God coming down into the world, appearing as a man. Jesus, through whom everything that was made, the life that was the light of men, painted himself onto the canvas that he himself had created and entered the darkness of a world that had rejected him. Even the people who had been waiting for him missed the event. Uh, We're going to just turn the page to John chapter 3 and look at verses 19 and 20. John 3, 19 and 20. We'll read what that has to say. 
It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Not only has the darkness of this world not received the light that is Jesus, it it actually hates him. It doesn't want a bar of him. And it says this is because people love the darkness because their deeds are evil. They want to stay in the darkness because they don't want their evil to be exposed. They don't want to be uncovered. Now, this is strong language, loving darkness, fear of evil being exposed. I mean, if this is talking about us, then it is kind of offensive. But you have to remember that darkness is only the absence of light, and we have both good and bad within us. But God, God is perfect light, perfectly, radiantly holy. So even the smallest rejection of him makes us unworthy of him. Even the best person on this planet falls short of God because there is some measure of their life which isn't completely aligned with him. There is some place in their heart which is still shadowed. Without faith and without Jesus, we are still in rejection of him, and that's the heart of sin, to say no to God. So, humanity, when Jesus entered the world, didn't want to receive him because they wanted to stay in the comfort of their small little world in which they were blind. They didn't want to see their evil as evil, and they didn't love the brilliant purity of this Jesus that intended to wash away all of their darkness. I think there are things in all of our lives uh, that we wouldn't like coming into the light, that we don't uh, want to confront. It may be obvious for you if you have a very uh, overt, very deep struggle with sin or other difficulties in your life, but even if it's not something that is overtly bad by our standards, for example, uh, apathy towards the bad things happening in the world, or the little, the little conviction in the back of our minds which tells us that we are selfish, that we are greedy and far too concerned with our own comfort. I know something in the back of my mind was niggling away when Rachel was talking about compassion. I know I don't particularly enjoy it when those shadowy parts come under the spot. We fear exposure, we fear transparency, and we spend way too much of our lives hiding how we feel, where we're struggling, and when we've failed and when we've sinned. However, if we choose to step into the light, yes, we will find ourselves with our sin exposed, and even the darkness that we didn't realise was there will be revealed into, in the contrast of the light, the glory of Christ. Even there, our fear of exposure will be met with tender grace and compassion and cleansing. In my experience, we actually have a two-sided coin when it comes to this fear. So one side is what we just discussed, that is a fear of being uncovered. But I think there is another fear that is mingled into our humanity, and that is never being known, never being properly understood. This may not be something you've thought about, um, particularly if you've had uh, a really good, strong upbringing, if you have a really good social group, or you're married, or you've been married at a, since a young age. Um, but it's particularly clear for people who struggle with stuff that remains and thrives in secrecy. So for a rather obvious example, I guess, I know a number of guys, um, Christian guys, who have struggled or still struggle with pornography or other sexual addiction. 
Obviously, when you have an addiction like that, you don't exactly want to go and declare it from the rooftops because, like I said before, we have a fear of being found out. And yet, for these guys, the idea of letting that kind of stuff sit in the dark and fester was less desirable than keeping it secret. Thus, they confessed. And this fear of never being known can manifest in many ways. For you, it might be the fear of never finding a husband or uh, a wife, of never being intimate, or perhaps never understanding yourself and figuring, what, figuring out what will define your life. Maybe it's a fear of never being recognised or appreciated, or never finding your calling, if you like. Perhaps it's a fear of never being deeply loved. For me, it was along similar lines as those guys who struggled with pornography in the sense that, were, that there were things in my life growing up that were causing me a lot of pain and I was expressing my struggles in a sinful and destructive way. And I still express a lot of things in a sinful and destructive way, if I'm honest. I remember thinking that if I kept my head low, I could make it through life without anyone ever knowing about my darker parts. And yet part of me knew that that was a lie because I also desperately wanted to notice someone to notice me and let me bear my heart to them. And when I became a Christian and encountered the perfectly holy God, I realised that I had to confront my brokenness and my sin. But it took to my second year of being a Christian to actually find the courage to talk about my mess of a brain to my friends and my parents. And that, that struggle to be transparent with people, of course, still goes on. What we find when we let ourselves be known is that God always proves himself as holy in making us holy, faithful and patient as he stays with us in the midst of every trial and loving as he meets us in his abundant grace. John chapter 3 verse 3 says this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And if you want to jump back a page as well, John chapter 1 Verses 11, and 13, verse 11, 12, and 13. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Here we read that the Christian is born again, that is a necessity to be, to claim that name, to be in Christ. They're born again and born of God. And we read in 1 John 1, where we will be heading a little later, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So as children of God, we are by nature inherently children of light. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says that, The God who, when he made the earth, said, let light shine out of darkness, has made light shine in the heart of the Christian to give us the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in Christ. Uh, Before we were talking about how the light entered the world, and yet it wasn't understood how humanity has loved darkness. Well, here we see a miracle. That is, by the grace of God, he makes light shine out of darkness. He brings substance into what was once a void. Where we were blind, we now see. Where we, we see ourselves clearly and we know the glory of God. We no longer desire the pleasures and comforts of sin. 
which are confining and restrictive. We are willing to forfeit them because we have tasted the light and loved it because it first loved us. We are cleansed and made holy as his grace washes away the night to make way for the dawn of a new life. And I pray that you know the joy of what I'm talking about. As much as it's scary to step out in faith, know that it is God who is waiting in the light. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you can become children of God. John 12, 36. In my final points, I want to explore what it actually means to live as a child of the light since God has given us this new birth. So we've seen Jesus, the light, the word made flesh, enter the world, enter the darkness, not be understood. And we've also seen the hope of new birth and the light dawning. But now we're looking at what it actually means to to live in this light and to find our identity in this truth. Uh, In short, if I had to summarise it, it means that we should be working and praying to expunge the darkness and actively choosing the light. Many, many things could be said on this, like how we should let God's word be a lamp to lead our feet, like how it says in Philippians that we are to be lights in the world as we hold out the word of life to those who don't yet believe, or how we are to work to dismantle the devil's schemes played out in the horrible things we see across the world, like poverty, like war, like human trafficking, abuse, tyranny, etc. The list, unfortunately, goes on. But what I want to focus on this morning is something that we've already touched on, and that is confession, which is one way we are to cultivate a passion for the light in our relationships and in our churches. Uh, we're going to turn to John, uh, 1 John 1 now. And I just want to read through those verses that we had read to us before, just again. This is one of my favourite parts in the Bible, so indulge me. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we, have, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives." We can't say we're children of the light if we are still choosing to walk in darkness, if we are hiding ourselves. At a guess, I don't reckon uh, many people here would say that their life and their mind and their heart is without sin. Um, And yet, what what do your actual actions display? Do you suppress your struggles and put on a happy face? Do you ignore the blind spots in your life so that you can remain comfortable? Do you hear the word preached week by week and yet do nothing with it? Are your relationships shallow and self-indulgent? Are you refusing to let God at certain parts of your life? No, no, God, you, you can have most of my life, but I'm going to retain my lordship over these areas. Thank you very much. To walk in the light is to have real, sincere, transparent relationships It's to be real and honest about our fallen condition with ourselves, with others, and with God. 
Is your life betraying the lie that you believe that you are without sin? The branch is a church that faithfully preaches the Bible. It's not as if we never hear about sin, and yet maybe you've become immunized to its reality. This is why we need to have a culture of confession and forgiveness so that we can actively be rejecting darkness for the sake of letting God invade our lives. Now, of course, confession is hugely important for the hairier sins and the, the deeper doubts that we get ourselves into. And I know people personally who have felt like they couldn't talk about them within the church. But if this kind of openness were more prevalent, even in the smaller things, then I truly believe that we would be creating a place where people truly do feel safe enough to share their mess. So within your friendships, don't be afraid to share that you've been struggling with doubts, anxiety, confusion, spiritual despair or depression. Be honest with your spouse when you fail them in whatever, in whatever way. When you wrong your children, confess that to them. It's hugely significant that they have this modelled for them so that they can learn to do the same and figure out how to do with the many things that they're going to get wrong as they grow up. If you've been struggling with purity, don't be afraid to talk about that because you're definitely not alone. Admit that you get things wrong, sometimes repetitively, because it's from that place of humility that we actually begin to learn. When we confess, we are opening ourselves up to the light, inviting it in and receiving the purification that only the blood of Jesus can bring. So let's model that for each other. Finally, let me say this. There are many things in the world that can make it seem like darkness is overwhelming us. Well over 14,000 civilians, and that's now quite an old statistic actually, many of whom are our brothers and sisters, have been killed due to the recent regime in the, of the IS in Iraq in the past three years, according to the UN. Suicides in our country are averaging at around 2,400 every year. I see the darkness in our world as people think they are finding freedom and self-fulfillment, and yet all they are discovering is greater dissatisfaction and breeding that on a larger scale. I see the darkness obscuring people's vision when they think that this life is all there is and that everything that we see now and everything that we are just comes to nothing. I recognise it when I think about just how unavoidable damage and hurt is in the world, no matter how informed we are. And I see it in my own intimate and toxic relationship with sin. Uh, Back in John 1, it says, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The The other meaning for the word understood here is actually overcome. The darkness has not overcome the light. Jesus declares that even though in this world we will have trouble, we must take heart because he has overcome the world. And darkness knows that it has lost. In Matthew chapter 8, a demon asks Jesus if he has come to destroy them before their appointed time. And remember when you feel the weight of darkness in this world, that we have the light within us as a deposit, a taster for what is to come. We aren't yet fully enveloped by the light of God and heaven, which drives away all fear, confusion, sin and pain. And yet one day that highest reality will flood into our perception 
And all glory to our guiding light who will lead us home to behold him in all his brilliance. Let's pray to him now. God, we praise you because you are so high above us. You are so much greater than we can imagine. You are the light, the sun by which we can see clearly, in which our fears and failures are dissolved. You have delivered those who believe in you out of the dominion of darkness. Lord and Spirit, lead us on to walk in your radiance and teach us to live lives that are transparent. Teach us to have fellowship with each other in a way that is honest and passionate for your truth and your purity. We pray that you will illuminate the hearts of those we know that currently reject you. Forgive them, for they are ignorant of their plight and will lose themselves unless they find themselves in you. Thank you that you descended to walk as a man and then fell even further for our safety and protection before a perfectly holy God. You are lightning and love, Lord, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.